Hey everyone, it's Jackie from Canada from a series of Horrors podcast. Are you looking for a way to support our show or have a product or brand you're looking to promote? Contact us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at seriesofhorrorspodcast and you can hear your ad here. Hello and welcome to a series of horrors podcast. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. You sounded unsure there about your name. <laughs> well, never can tell, you know, there's vampires afoot. Might be Jesk. It might be Jesk from America. What was it? Oh, uh, what was the what was the guy's name? Is it actually uh, Gregor? Gregor. I was like Vigo? I was gonna say Vigo. I was like Vigo was his name? Vigo? Oh, sweet Gregor Jesk. <laughs> oh man. Still can't believe this show. Anyway, <laughs> there are still vampires afoot. There are, there are. Now they're in college. It's like Teen Wolf 2 when Teen Wolf goes to college and boxes instead of playing basketball. And there's now Jason Bateman. No Jason Bateman here. No, no Jason Bateman in this one. But we are covering Fright Night 2, released in 1988. Where Amy is, is gone and now she's been replaced by a new girl, which I can't remember her name right now. But. Uh... <laughs> Wrote it down so many times, get it. I can't remember it either right now. By Tracy. No, no. no. Alex. Alex. Uh, Megan. I, no, I wasn't gonna get. I wasn't gonna get there. People's names don't matter to me. I'm like, yeah, you guy person. <laughs> the one with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> the one, the girl, the girl with the hair. Just crushing. He was ten. And I think it's because she's sassy. I think it's because like she she has like a like a sassy attitude kind of thing. She is a bit sassy. I do appreciate. That. That's what it is. That's what 10-year-old Jeff enjoyed. Yeah. Maybe what 40-year-old Jeff enjoys. Who knows? Who knows, <laughs> Who knows what 40-year-old Jeff wants? <laughs> Who knows? Jeff doesn't even know what 40-year-old Jeff wants. That's fine. Speaking <laughs> of 40-year-old Jeff, <laughs> happy belated birthday, Jeff. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've made it another year. Another rotation around the sun or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm waiting for um, our fans to send us to Vegas for our, my birthday next year and where we can do the solar escape room. Maybe renamed the spiral escape room, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. It depends how uh, that movie goes. How well it does. <laughs> yes. And yeah, just some lighthouse keeping. We are planning to get to it. Yes. The logistics are being worked out because Canada is closed on for another like month and a half or whatever. Yeah, exactly. We just extended our lockdown period in the province I live in. So there are no theaters and Spiral wants to do only theatrical release. So. Yes, unless they do a PVOD or something we're stuck because i can watch it yep so what i'm <laughs> you're just gonna have to facetime me from the theater and put me on mute <laughs> exactly i'll facetime <laughs> me from the theater i'll put it i'll, buy, I'll even buy two tickets how about that i'll buy two tickets i'll put you like in the cup rest or something <laughs> it'll be a terrible <laughs> angle it'll be, hard. It'll be horrible yeah. even though one time when i went to see john wick 3 the guy in front of me recorded the movie on his phone wow it was cool, like the thing, like he had this weird thing, this weird contraption that he connected to his phone right, and put like one part of it in the cup rest. And it was like a big articulating arm that came up. And this is the part that got me. He he recorded it uh, with the selfie camera. That way it's flipped. The, the screen is facing the, the other screen. That way the people behind, they don't see him recording anything. Uh-huh. That makes sense. It was very smart. I was like, wow, I just saw him setting it all up. <laughs> so I know he was doing it. So yes. So I said, so now I know how those bootlegs get out. Hey. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted to search the bootleg to see if I could see the movie that was recorded while I was in there. So I was trying to be really loud. I was like behind it. <laughs> Just making extra commentary and being like, did you catch that? Was like, oh my God. Oh, another headshot for John Wick. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I've never seen John Wick. All I know is that his dog is dead. <laughs> 
Oh, that's it. John Wick's being added to the list. It's three of them. Is it horror, technically? I thought it was action. Well, you're throwing Harry Potter at me, so I'm trying to find other things now. Fine, so fine, fine. Says <laughs> <laughs> so eight of those. I got to try to compare because I have three Karate Kid movies now and three John Wick movies. We're getting there. Uh, but anyways, back to this movie, I guess, that we that we watched for this week. Beginning this beginning movie. This movie. <laughs> Wait, we're not even going to begin it yet because we have to start with fun facts that I read and that are completely wrong. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's always completely wrong. The fun facts that I read, they were saying that a producer on this movie was Jose Mendez. And that, I don't know if you know who Jose Mendez is, but he was murdered by his two sons, the Menendez brother, brothers. Oh, so it was oh, Jose Menendez then, not Mendez. I'm, I'm missing a letter. They said that this movie did not get as wide of a distribution, did not have proper promotional like materials, etc. because of his murder. That was the fun fact. And there was a couple of different things connected to it. That's from the time. The time frame doesn't Exactly. So the murder of Jose Menendez was on August 20th, 1989. This movie was first released December 8th, 1988 in certain countries like Australia and then was wide released in May of 1989. So still months before his death. They're just trying to blame the murder as to why this movie didn't do well. I have other reasons as to why this movie probably didn't do well. <laughs> Maybe like vampires on roller skates. Um. The one thing that is either a vampire or a werewolf or like a like, I don't know. Yeah. And the guy that eats bugs. What the hell is that? So many questions that go unanswered in this movie. <laughs> this is the movie where things just happen and people are just in it. I thought I didn't like Charlie in part one. I really don't like Charlie in part two. But I don't know what the hell's going on with him now. <laughs> Well, let's get into it. We open with a scream and we get flashbacks to Charlie and Peter Vincent discovering and killing Humperdinck the vampire in the first movie. Charlie is explaining to a shrink exactly what happened and he gives like the whole vampire explanation. Then the shrink asks him what really happened and Charlie explains Jerry Dandridge was a serial killer, a cult worshiper, and a kidnapper. He abducted my girlfriend, Amy, and my friend, Ed Thompson. And this triggered a defense mechanism in my brain, which caused me to imagine he was a vampire. And his shrink confirms, and was Jerry Dandridge a vampire? And Charlie says, no, there's no such thing. How do you know? Because vampires don't exist. Meanwhile, I have a lovely note that Charlie is rocking a beautiful new mullet. But what's your note, Jeff? My note on this is, all right, the man that in part one wouldn't have it that anybody said vampires aren't real is now the one that begins the movie saying vampires aren't real. Yes. So he spent the entire first movie swearing up and down over nothing saying vampires are real because he didn't see really much to go that to go that far with it. And now all of a sudden, you know what? It was all in my head. He was just a murderer and, you know, vampires are a fake thing. I don't know what Peter Vincent was putting in my head or something. When he had to convince Peter Vincent the whole time, it was just, uh, uh. Yeah, it was quite the jump. My only excuse could be that he got pussy whipped and <laughs> because his girlfriend is studying to be a shrink herself, she was like, hmm, you speak of vampires and that is not reality. So if you want some, you have to stop that. And then he says, okay, you got yeah. it. This would have made a lot more sense if the movie started with, with Peter Vincent doing this. Yes, I agree. Instead of it being Peter still is the firm believer and trying to convince Charlie. Yeah. When he when he's the one that didn't believe it in the first one. He, he's the one that needed convincing and proof. Charlie barely needed anything. He just says, hey, vampires are real because and this movie, they're like flipped. Their characteristics are flipped when they could have just kept their original characteristics in part two. I don't have an answer for you <laughs> other than the one I gave you. <laughs> okay. 
that's my best guess. And that makes pretty good sense. Not for nothing. You know, it's probably, probably a reason. Otherwise, I don't know. But like also they refer to the fact that Peter Vincent has been trying to contact him since this happened and he's never talked to Peter Vincent again, apparently. So that sounds like that happened before he met Alex. I don't know. Or maybe he stopped talking to him after he met Alex. Maybe. Who knows? So many unanswered questions in this movie. <laughs> Your theory is gaining traction with me. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the only okay. possibility that is kind of logical, but even then, not quite logical. Yeah, it's just kind of maybe logical if you squint. <laughs> if I take off my glasses and <laughs> turn my head to the side. Just squint and cock my, cock my head a certain direction and then kind of in the right light. <laughs> so next, Charlie says that he's scared of running into Peter Vincent. And after three years of therapy, he's even scared to run into him after three years of therapy since they had this shared delusion. And so the doctor says that Peter Vincent's fears can't hurt Charlie. We then cut to Charlie running throughout the entire campus and he like he jumps over a couple that's lying in the grass rolling around and making out, which I found very humorous. Just like jumper sprints over them and keeps going. <laughs> he then gets to his bedroom and he opens up what I can only describe as Buffy's chest of crosses and crucif- <laughs> like crucifixes, stakes, whatever. <laughs> Vampire paraphernalia. And when I saw this part, what I thought was, all right, he was just, this is all an act. He was just putting out an act, like, for whatever reason, for the cops or for whatever. But he actually does believe that's why he has the Buffy paraphernalia case. Yeah. But no, he takes us to the dumpster. Yeah, I had the exact same thought. I was like, ah, he's going to go and fight vampires now. And that's what's happening here. Yes. And then, no, no, he just picks up all the stuff and dumps it. Like, aha, yeah, something cooler than what is happening. Oh, no, they went the other direction. Fine. All right, let's just do that then. We then cut to him shaving and he cuts his neck, which will be important later. Well, maybe, I don't know, because the cut later nothing, looks nothing like this cut. Well, she like digs her fang into it and makes it worse. I don't know. Okay, we'll yeah, get there. Uh, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. So we cut to Fright Night on TV. Peter Vincent is in studio saying that monsters are real. He's faced them. That's how he knows. The producer is complaining that Peter Vincent is off script again. And a crew member says he just throws the scripts away. Charlie pulls up with Alex his new girlfriend to the TV studio saying things might get weird. She says all their dates are weird. <laughs> Fair. I wouldn't, wouldn't but how? Because he seems to be acting normal and not talking about I vampires. mean, when you're dating Charlie... <laughs> Based on the first oh, movie. Yeah, Charlie is not the best. Not so, the yeah. best boyfriend. So yeah, I could see that all their dates are weird. And also maybe she's been playing like psychiatrist on him. I don't know what their kings are. Uh, the TV show cuts commercial and Peter Vincent notices Charlie that it, they're in the studio. We cut to Charlie and Alex at Peter Vincent's place. And he's moved, it appears, because now he lives in this condominium type building that is very nice. Then Alex is checking out all of his random macabre like decorations, wall arts, uh, movie paraphernalia. And Charlie says that he's sorry for not returning Peter Vincent's calls. Peter Vincent gets that Charlie needed to put that all behind him and begins to ask if Alex knows about the vampires. She buds in to say that she does know about the vampires, and she sounds like she doesn't believe it at all. Peter Vincent then regales them with tales of movies past, saying that the best story is what happened with him and Charlie, and she wouldn't believe half of it if he told her, and she agrees that she probably wouldn't believe any of it. But then, like, Peter Vincent takes her off screen for some reason to, like, talk to her more on his own. Not really sure. Not very clear. Have a nice private yeah. conversation. Charlie decides to go look at the window at this point. Uh, only to see men like from a moving company moving these big boxes into the building 
that are big enough to hold people. There's a black car that is also mysteriously pulling up behind them. And Charlie's like, no, thanks. Alex and Charlie head off in the elevator. And then Charlie is poking fun at Peter Vincent, the fearless vampire killer. And Alex says that he's sweet and eccentric. Charlie asks if uh, he should have shattered Peter Vincent's delusional state. And Alex says, no, he treated him well, but he does really believe in vampires, doesn't he? They get to the lobby and Alex goes off to the bathroom is my question. Like, what is she doing elsewhere in the lobby? I don't know. I probably, probably, I'm going to guess the bathroom. It feels like a hotel, not even like an apartment complex. It feels like this. Yes, except that there's no staff in the lobby area. So that's why I'm like, apartment complex? A defunct hotel turned into an apartment complex? And the apartments are enormous, by the way. Yes, they're absolutely insane. We will see that later. But she just goes off. She's like, I'm, I'm going off this way and leaves Charlie alone. But if she's going to the bathroom, like, wouldn't she just be like, hi, a person that's hosting us at your apartment. May I use your washroom before we leave? Wouldn't that be the logical thing? Why would you be like, nope, I'm going to hold it and go to the public washroom in the lobby? Which also, what apartment has a public washroom in the lobby? That's why I'm thinking it might have been a hotel. But like you said, there's no like front desk. There's no staff. There's no nothing. But that lobby looks very much like a fancy hotel. It does. It, it definitely does. It reminded me of um, Angel, the Buffy spinoff, where they have their office in an old hotel that's defunct. That's what it looked like to me. Even though the rooms didn't look like hotel rooms when you're upstairs. I don't know. It's just nothing. Maybe that's just how the better half lives. And I don't and I'm not privy to that. Maybe. Yeah. We've just never been in fancy enough apartments that have bathrooms in the lobby. Okay. A strange group of people walk in and they go inside the elevator. And my note here is those eyebrows, yikes. And thus forevermore in my notes, she is just known as eyebrows. <laughs> yes. So in this first scene, like her eyebrows aren't as bad in the rest of it. But in this scene, her eyebrows are drawn with like what I can only explain as a like hockey stick. So like it curves down by her nose, like the part of the hockey stick you would hit the puck with. And then it's straight along the top. And I'm like, why? Why are these her eyebrows? I'm very concerned by them. They get better later on. But in this scene, they were terrible. She's a performance artist. (laughs) Apparently. It was a part of her performance. Remember, it's not like she could look in the mirror and do it, right? Fair point, fair point. So I wrote, all their styles are different and all questionable, uh, except for the dude that's in a suit. He's the most normal looking one. As Charlie was staring them down in the elevator and they're staring at him, and Alex spooks him and then they head out. We get what I will call our bad eye view as they leave the hotel slash apartment slash whatever the fuck it is. Charlie pulls... Slash place. Dwelling. Dwelling. <laughs> Charlie pulls over randomly. I thought it was randomly at first because it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. And then later when Alex leaves the car, you see that there's a driveway there. (laughs) But I thought he just pulled over in the middle of nowhere. So pulled over randomly for a hookup. And then we get some more bad eye view. Charlie and Alex are necking in the car, if you will. Hey, haha. I see what you did there. And then we cut to the woman with the eyebrows in a blue dress that's like made of leather. It was actually a really cool dress. <laughs> but anyway, she's on top of their car and uh, Burt Reynolds like on the bearskin kind of pose <laughs> and just like caressing oh, yeah. the car. Is she like possessing Charlie or like motivating Doomed? Charlie? Was what ha- was happening? Like she's like hypnotizing him somehow by petting the car but i don't know because charlie starts being too handsy again like you know he was in the first like he did exactly so he's he's not learned boundaries yet and so alex is protesting and then she turns into eyebrows 
not not literal eyebrows, but into the character I will call eyebrows. Imagine if it was just two large eyebrows in the car. That would have been amazing. Oh man, I would have loved this movie. Would have got an extra bump in the score if it was into like eyebrows. It would be like my favorite scene in Harold and Kumar, where he like sees his life with the bag of weed. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, um, so she turns into eyebrows and then they continue to make out. Charlie opens his eyes and then backs away. Then Alex leaves in a huff, walking through a park in the dark alone. We get the bat view following her. She walks into her residence building and something smacks into the door behind her. Then we see that there's something hiding in the bushes. Then a different girl exits the building and the roller skate vampire, as I will refer to them, because basically staring after her. Yeah, so this is this androgynous vampire. We aren't really sure what their gender is, but the defining feature of them is that they wear roller skates and... (laughs) Like to roll into action as they threaten people. It's strange. <laughs> it's just so strange. It's not creepy. It like is the opposite of creepy. It just makes it very hilarious whenever they're about to attack someone because they like roller skate to them. <laughs> they like roller skate to them. So it's like, are they even really afraid of what's going on? I, I don't know. And it never gets better the entire movie. It's just like strange the entire way through. The movie's just constantly strange. There's never a scary moment in the movie. It's just, what is happening now? Why is this happening? How is what? Exactly. So the girl stops to tie her shoe and the vamp comes up behind her on their roller skates, scratching their long nails against the lockers. And my, my note here is like, I'm laughing so hard at this roller disco vamp. I was the whole time just in shock. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. This is just strange. I don't, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on. The vamp uh, eats her making a Jackson Pollock in the process I wrote because this girl was like an art student. So she had watercolor paper with her to do her artwork and he bites into her and it splatters all over the paper and I thought this was going to come back like oh she committed suicide but made artwork with her her last dying breath or something but no but no no it never comes back and she wasn't the roommate let's say uh, Alex's roommate or something no connection just a random murder just random murder for no reason we cut to tits I write <laughs> Which is very true. There, And I was like, oh, this is going to be a character. Once again, not a character. <laughs> no. So Cher, and I'm like, not that Cher, but Cher is walking around with her towel pulled down so that her tits are on display. But like she's covering the rest of her. For no reason. Uh, just Well, for a reason, I guess. For the director's joy, apparently. There has no plot reason. Yeah, exactly. So she has this absolutely huge towel, but she's just making sure that it's underneath her tits at all times. And her roommate tells her that she should close the blinds because someone could be out there. So she goes and closes the blinds and immediately the werewolf pops up right outside her window. Instead of telling her maybe cover up or something, I don't know. Yeah, like I understand. I have my girlfriends who are just like, eh, you have boobs, I have boobs, I'm changing. Do you mind? And it's like, no, boobs are boobs. But this just was not normal <laughs> it just looked off huh? like i don't know it's not like she was changing because that's one thing like you know she takes her shirt off or whatever puts something else on you know okay i can kind of see it just happens to walk out the bathroom 
towel around her waist just because that's how just how it wasn't even wrapped around her waist it was like she was holding it to her body but underneath her breasts <laughs> yeah or maybe she was like drying herself off and saying maybe i could but no it's just nope. walking around just i'm gonna hold this to my stomach <laughs> Let everything else hang out. That's how I do. I like to air dry in the nude, okay? <laughs> That's how I get that. Yes, that's, uh... Wait, what movie is that? No, no, that one. You you stumped me on that one. <sighs> I forgot where that's from, but it's like the person's like getting roomy and they're like, just so you know, I like to air dry in the nude. <laughs> like, is it like Step Brothers? No, it's, it's some comedy movie though. Oh, well. Okay. So we cut to Alex. She's getting ready for bed in some sort of like ancient nightgown situation. <laughs> she looks like if she took Reagan's nightgown from the Exorcist and ripped off the sleeves. But anyway. So it's like she knows she's in a vampire movie and it's like some old like vampire. I can't remember the girl's name now from, from Brandon Stiller's Dracula. But yes, one in a writer. One in a writer thing in that yeah. movie. Exactly. So the werewolf begins to scale the side of the building. And I have a fun fact for you, Jeff. Did you know that this werewolf is the same werewolf from Monster Squad? I did not. And Monster Squad's amazing. I wish there were three of them so we could do it all for this this, um, show. But man, Monster Squad is great. It should be like a one-off that we do for like a mini-sode one time. See what what we could pair that up with. For a mini sold thing. But man, that movie's so great. Yeah, because I introduced you to that movie. You had never heard of it before. And then you ended up loving it, which was great. Yeah, it was so great. I absolutely loved it. It was the like Goonies for Halloween time. Perfect. Oh, yeah, it's so great. <laughs> okay, so this werewolf's scaling the side of the building. Uh, his hands are then, he puts them onto Alex's windowsill. And she's oblivious and closes the window, cutting off his nails. And they scatter inside of her apartment and she still doesn't notice. Just goes straight to bed and he falls from the window down into the bushes. Doesn't hear that either. Doesn't hear it at all. He then turns back to human form and he's struggling to get out of the bush. And then we we see at this point that the werewolf is the dude that was in the elevator wearing like a leather jacket before. The guy in the suit is telling the werewolf that he was supposed to bite Alex on the neck. And then a bat comes flying in and we pan past the black car and we see that the roller vamp is carrying their victim to the car. Then there's a knock at Charlie's door in his residence building. They keep knocking till he gets up and at the door is eyebrows. He slams the door and then gives himself a pep talk that vampires aren't real and that this woman is like a very beautiful woman. It would be very rude of him like to do what he has just done. So he opens the door and she's walking away. He clears his throat and she turns to say, you're not Charlie. And he says, yes, I am. I'm Charlie Brewster. And she's like, but you're not Charlie Cassidy. Sorry to wake you. I must have the wrong dorm. She walks all the way down the hall and then turns to ask him for a light. He quickly t- like is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And runs into his room and starts tidying it up as she slowly saunters her way down the hallway. He invites her in and she closes the door behind him. I mean, behind her and starts yeah. smoking. Uh, she says that she would kill for a coffee And then he proceeds to go and make her a coffee and she proceeds to hit on him as he does so. And she goes, do you know how to use your lips? (laughs) What kind of line is this? This whole this whole interaction has been just strange. Yeah. By everybody involved. Just strange because she knocks on the door for, looking for this Charlie, says it's not him, walks three miles away from him, asks for a light. He, on the other hand, she walks away, oh, wrong house. Instead of him like closing the door or whatever, like he's never seen a girl before. 
Him and Hector from Paranormal Activity. They're in the same boat. It's the best day of my life. I've never seen a woman. Love this. I've never seen a girl before. This is ridiculous. Even though I have a girlfriend, I was just with her 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Right now, I'm all about cheating on her with eyebrows. Yeah, it was so bizarre. Uh, so they start kissing and she's keeping her eyes open while she kisses. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a vampire. It was just to add to, add to the creep factor on this was is my guess. I guess she's like, I like to watch my food as I <laughs> as I eat it. Yes. Mm. Um. And yes, I have the same note of as Jeff with the what the fuck? What happened to Alex Charlie? Like. <laughs> <laughs> like- and not for nothing. Maybe I'm biased, but man, Alex, all the way. Come on. I'm, I'm team Alex. Uh, yeah, I'm team Alex over the, those eyebrows. No. <laughs> uh, okay, so she removes his Band-Aid and then digs a single thing into the cut and starts moaning. And then Charlie sees she's a vamp and screams, then wakes up to a knock at his door. He grabs a rosary and opens the door. It's Alex. She wants to talk things out, saying he wasn't acting like himself earlier. And I wrote, I think Amy would disagree. Yeah. She should talk to Amy who she should talk yeah. to. They make up. The poster in the background says, push over. And I'm like, that's accurate. <laughs> she asks, what's wrong? Did he have a nightmare? He throws the rosary and she asks if he thinks that she was a vampire. And he's like, of course not. We cut to the black car and Roller Vamp is still feeding off of his victim. I mean, their victim feeds some of the blood to eyebrows and then Wolfie asks for a bite. We then, we see the dude in the suit and he names the type of insect that he found before he eats it. And so, and then eats it. Yeah, so apparently without the actor deciding that his character should name the bugs before he eats them, he would have no other characteristic. They did not have that in the script to start with. He was only there to constantly tell the werewolf you were supposed to bite her and do nothing else. Because basically all he does all movie and then dies at the end. So was he even supposed to eat the bugs also? Or just- yes, he was supposed to be eating the bugs. But at first they didn't have him naming the bugs. So he was just like, can I have something interesting? Can I name the types of bugs and be very specific about the type of bug before eating it? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> you don't have boobs. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. We're going to put most of our attention on Cher's two minutes, not even <laughs> like two seconds. Yeah, not you, an actual main character probably <laughs> of this. Main henchman, I guess. And I've seen that guy in a ton of movies. Really? He was a, he was a big 80s henchman. I think he was the bad guy. He's I think he's passed since then. But I think he was a bad guy in um the second Mortal Kombat movie, in Annihilation. I think he was Shao Kahn in that. He just looked like typical 80s henchman to me. Like he was so often in so many movies. Yeah, I I didn't identify him as anyone individual. I was just like, yeah, 80s henchman, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we cut back to Alex. She's crawling into bed with Charlie. He says, you've got a lot of guts crawling into my bed, Miss Young. And she says, ah, but I still have my clothes on, Mr. Brewster. And I was just like, that, that's kind of gross and rape culture But then he immediately redeems himself by saying that he would like to discuss at a further date when it is more appropriate about them having sex. I'm like, good. (laughs) Yes, boundaries. You've learned, maybe. You would like to have a discussion about it. You care about her opinion in the matter. Thank you. That's good. At your earliest convenience, I would like to get together. Yeah, exactly. But like also at a more appropriate time, he says, because he realizes this is not the appropriate time. And I'm like, good for you, Charlie. Good for you. Does he realize or did he just say it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the vamp bit some sense into him. <laughs> I don't know because the rest of this movie, he's acting like a fool. That's fair. 
Okay, so he passes out. Alex hits a note. Alex notices that his neck is bleeding through the band-aid. We cut to morning. Alex has already left and she left a note saying that his uh, cut might be infected. He opens the blinds, but the sun hurts his eyes. So we then cut to Charlie at the shrinks and he's wearing sunglasses inside like a douchebag. He's not going like a badass. He is just, he wears sunglasses at night. I always remember that when I was a child, I was at McDonald's in Kentucky, I think, and they were just like playing that song. And I don't know why that's what I think of every time I hear that song. Seems like a good memory to me. (laughs) That's what that song reminds me of is Kentucky McDonald's. So he's talking about his dream and he says that it's just his subconscious, not real Oh, sorry. The doctor says that he's going to give him something to knock out the dreams for a while. And he opens up his desk drawer and it's filled with all these blister packs of pills. <laughs> he's acting like a real sketch bag. And then Charlie kind of looks at him. He's like, just say no. I understand. <laughs> like, I get it. So try going bowling. Yeah, exactly. But I really love the just say no. Like, oh, you're part of that, like, mad programming. <laughs> like, just say no to drugs. Cut. Got you. I'm like, fine. Man, got it. Whatever. And almost he was halfway disappointed. Like, all right. Yeah, I have like this whole entire drawer of drugs that I need to get rid of, Charlie. Why aren't you taking some? Come on. The cops are coming. They need, to, they need to move these. Yeah. So he tells him that he should go get some exercise. He should go bowling. Yeah, because that's a very physical sport. Just. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. As, as somebody that in high school was in the varsity bowling team. Were you? I, yes, I was. I have to say, it is very... Oh, I'm just like picturing you all with your matching bowling shirts. <laughs> yes, we have matching bowling shirts, white ones with red lettering oh my on gosh. Glasses. Like polos, little polo shirts, yes. Oh, you just made my day. <laughs> yes. Oh, you, then you would have loved my varsity letter for had a little bowling ball <laughs> pin in the middle. Oh, I love it so much. Oh. <laughs> yes. I forgot what the rest of my point was, but yes, it is, it is very difficult, I guess. I don't know. It's very strenuous exercise is what we were saying. Whenever I think of bowling, I think of my sister who was part of like a bowling league with her friends or whatever. And she is the most competitive woman I know. So she, on the way to the bowling alley, slammed her finger in the car and like broke it. Ouch. And it was, yeah, it was one of the fingers that she needed to actually insert into the bowling ball. And she was just like, nope, it's our last one. We need to make sure that we win this game. I'm playing. And so she played with the okay. broken finger. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Love you, Nikki, but you're crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he tells him to go bowling. Alex then catches him bowling alone, still wearing sunglasses. And he says that he's tired. She says that she has tickets to the symphony. And he says he'll take a nap and then pick her up. We then cut to our introduction to Richie, who's Charlie's new Ed, I guess. But does it last as long? Really doesn't last long at all. He introduced and then killed almost immediately. <laughs> Hi, I need a tie. I know I'm dead. All right, just... Exactly. And uh, so Charlie realizes that he's been sleeping for six hours and he's going to be late. Alex is waiting impatiently on the steps of the venue, but I thought he was supposed to pick her up, so... No, I thought... I know, I thought he did say I'll meet you there. Mm, No, he didn't. He said... He was going to mm. take a nap and then pick her up. Maybe she got tired of waiting at home and said, maybe I'll wait for him here. See, they have a weird date every time. You know, He says he's going to do one thing. He does something else. He keeps the relationship fresh. Gotta keep it fresh. <laughs> Charlie is cruising at a very low speed in his car. And then he sees the black car and Eyebrows is talking to Richie outside of it. And then he gets into the car with her. Charlie then follows them instead of going to meet Alex because, you know, he's the worst. 
still the worst. Anyways, he watches as Richie kisses eyebrows on the neck on their front steps and then follows her inside. Charlie almost leaves, but then sees the lights go on in the window of their apartment and sees roller skates and eyebrows tag teaming Richie is what I have written down. They're both like caressing him and whatever. I don't really know. So we cut to Alex, who's super pissed off and at the symphony. And then Wolfie is there and asks her if she has an extra ticket to sell him. She's like, yeah, you're in luck and just gives him the ticket, does not ask ask for an exchange of money, just goes into the theater with him. Yeah, it's Yeah. He specifically asked her to sell it. And she's just like, no, I'm just going to give you this ticket. But not mention that I'm just giving it to you. I'm very mad because I'm very mad at my boyfriend. So here you go. We cut back to Charlie. He is climbing the fire escape of the building across the way from the vampires and watches Richie be blindfolded in a robe and laying down while eyebrows and whirler vamp are touching him. He has just doesn't care about his girlfriend's. Screw it. I'm just going to do this. Very much Charlie in the first movie of, I'm just going to look out this window, except this time he's looking into a window. <laughs> I'm, him and windows, you know? You had some personal growth between movie one and movie two, especially with all the events therein, but no, I guess not. None at all. All that therapy did not teach him anything. So their TV is on static in the background. I'm like, oh, are they waiting for Samara to join the team? Maybe. Hey, <laughs> she, she would fit in. They have... A guy that mm-hmm. eats bugs. I get, I'm a werewolf, and I guess he's a vampire. I'm not even sure if Roskin's yeah, a vampire. Yeah, Raj came in at one point and asked me what he was. And I was like, he's a werewolf, but he's a vampire. And he's like, ah, one of those underworld hybrids. I see, I see. <laughs> yes, so tomorrow we'll be joining the gang for Fright Night 3. No, not actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, please no. He's got no. Okay, so both of the vamps like full on vamp out with their fangs and bite Richie. Richie looks like he's having an orgasm, is my note. He is enjoying himself. Charlie is repeating, "This is not a dream." And then eyebrows looks at him through the window while she is feeding. We cut to Charlie knocking on Peter Vincent's door. He says, "It's happening again." Peter Vincent is not convinced, but ends up joining him. <laughs> There's just so, so much uh, going on. In yeah, this there movie. always has to be one of them that is not convinced. Yeah. Earlier, Peter Vince is mm-hmm. convinced. Now he's not. Charlie wasn't. Now he is. And Alex is in the middle, apparently. Well, somebody says. Yeah. Says. Alex at least has range and goes from I don't believe to I do believe instead of back and forth and over again. True, because she was like, I don't believe. Oh, I saw something. Now I guess I should believe. Exactly. But between Peter and Charlie, it's like they can never be on the same page. No. Uh, so they go and they knock on the door of the apartment of the ra- the vampires and some random dude opens it up and lets them in, then begins to vamp out at Charlie and Charlie holds up a cross to him or sorry, a rosary to him. And then it's clear that he's a human just pretending to be a vampire and it's a vampire themed party. So Peter Vincent's like, it's just a party, Charlie. Let's have fun. Charlie tells Peter Vincent not to let his guard down. And then he sees Richie on the couch and goes to approach him. Richie thinks that Charlie is saying he needs help with his drinking. <laughs> oh, uh, so basically, uh, he tries to look at Charlie's neck for vampire marks and tells him that he thinks that he needs help. And what do we call it? Rich is just like, I you think I need help with my drinking. Like, no, I don't need help, man. I don't have a problem. Like, I'm fine. 
Charlie checks his neck for bite marks, but there's no bite marks. And then he apologizes and says that they should go. Eyebrows then makes a beeline for him and they start to dance. It's almost as uncomfortable as the Humperdinck and Amy dance, but not quite. Because what could possibly be that that awkward? Nothing can top that one. (laughs) She then pulls out his rosary and holds it by the beads. As it sways back and forth, her face changes from vampire to not vampire. And then she throws it, breaking a mirror. And all she's all vamp face and teeth now. And everyone applauds. And then she pantomimes taking out contacts and teeth and hands them to Roller Vamp. Then a girl asks her for her autograph. And Ibro says that she's just a performance artist, not a vampire. Yeah, none of this, none of this is real. Come on. And then Charlie finally remembers that Alex exists and <laughs> runs off. Oh my God, well, I was supposed to go three hours ago to this concert. Runs off to go and meet up with her and Peter Vincent stays to enjoy the party. He sees people drinking from humans and then he does the mirror trick and sees that eyebrows and roller skates don't show up in his mirror. He then runs and eyebrows is just everywhere he turns. He holds out a cross at her. And she says he has to get closer to her for it to actually work because over the centuries, centuries, she has developed a tolerance for some of the trappings. She says that Humperdinck was her brother and she says Peter Vincent won't be punished as much as Charlie was since Peter Vincent came reluctant, reluctantly and is a coward. Don't know how she would know this, but... Okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how she would know that Peter Vincent came reluctantly, all this stuff. Also, how did she know that Charlie's the one that killed her brother if no one survived? Did he go around announcing it? Maybe. Maybe he went. Maybe before he went to therapy, he went around, you know, announcing, hey, I killed a vampire named, Char- named Jerry Dandridge. Yeah, I just, I don't understand at all. Also, we had no idea that he had a sister. Also, they don't look that much alike. <laughs> are they just, are they sisters because they have the same sire? Are they siblings because they are actually related? I don't know. And why is she immune to the cross when Jerry wasn't and their siblings? Yeah. See, is, is, was he a lot younger than her? Maybe? Maybe. I don't know. But she also has his coffin later. I don't know. Maybe they're siblings. So they have similar coffins. Maybe they have matching. <laughs> Their mom bought them matching coffins. Exactly. Matching coffins because, you know, it's what you do. It's what parents do. And then you get mad at them. I don't want to match. I want to be my own person, mom. Like, no, you get a matching coffin. <laughs> we're, we're one family here. We have one st- coffin style and we're all going to be together. On this. Oh, man. Lay in there and you're going to like it. Uh, see, I was always like, yeah, I want to match my sister because I'm the younger sister. And then my older sister was like, fuck you. I don't want to match you. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Come on. Uh, she then bats out of there and Peter Vincent goes home and calls Charlie's dorm. Charlie arrives far too late for the symphony. Then Alex is walking home with Wolfie. A dog barks at him and he growls at it behind Alex's back and like turns half Wolfie, but not full werewolf, just so that he can growl at this dog. Yeah. And so I, this is where I'm like, okay, he's not a werewolf because he can turn at will. Anytime. I and mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be a woman. change partially. Yeah. Kinda. It's, I don't know. So he's a vampire and it's the fact that they can turn into wolves, but then he's more werewolf than wolf. I don't, I don't know. Because he only does werewolfy things and turns into, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what he is uh, supposed to be. But meanwhile, Alex heads off, I guess, and then Wolfie runs into Suit. And Suit says that he's supposed to bite her and then he eats more bugs. <laughs> 
Charlie is distressed in the shower and then a fog leaks into his room as he sleeps. Fog turns into Eyebrows, who takes off his Band-Aid again and drinks from it, which not that I think drinking blood is ever cool or appetizing, but there's something really unappetizing about taking off a used Band-Aid and then drinking the, what comes from the wound. It's probably just a vampire thing. I just, uh, I'm, you know, the smell of like a wet Band-Aid? That, that's all I'm smelling as she's doing this. I'm like, <laughs> so gross. Meanwhile, Peter Vincent keeps calling uh, till he falls asleep holding a giant cross. We cut to Charlie bringing Alex roses with a note that says, please forgive me. He says he hasn't been himself lately. She says it might be the full moon because she hasn't been herself either. Really? She seems, she seems to have been pretty reasonable in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And I'm just like, why Why does the woman always take the blame in these movies? <laughs> like the girlfriend's always like, no, it's my fault. It's my fault you were a I'm sorry. Just <laughs> Ugh, enabling, not good. Okay, but Charlie does does get very good apologizing because he does it all. <laughs> yes, he does. Charlie starts to suggest they're falling in love, and she cuts him off to say that she came to school to become a clinical psychiatrist, not to be his girlfriend, and walks off. It's like I become your girlfriend, so you know what that means? That means I have to drop out of college and not pursue my degree. Apparently, love is not allowed when you're. Getting an education. She said that. I'm like, what? How, what? <laughs> I could understand, like, maybe saying something like, uh, okay, I, I care for you deeply. I'm not there yet. Or also, like, I really want to concentrate on my studies and our relationship is a distraction. That's another possibility. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I cannot be a therapist if I become your girlfriend. Boom. If we love each other, I can't be a <laughs> I'm going to have to drop out of college. This is going to be a thing. I don't want to do this. So oh, Yeah, you know, because once a woman has a man, her only place is in the kitchen. So Maybe that's, how, maybe that's what Charlie, when we don't see Charlie, that's what he says. Oh, listen, uh, it's me and you. Oh, man. Kitchen time. That's it. It's going to be all this book learning ain't for me and you. You know, you got to. Oh, Lord. We then cut to Peter Vincent telling his producer that they are real vampires. But then he notices they're tearing down his set. He's being fired again. And then I'm like, wait a second. Whoa, flashbacks. He was fired at the beginning of the last movie. Why does he still have Fright Night? Because at the end, I think they gave him to him. Yeah, I think they rehired him at the end of the last one. I think. I guess because he does show up on Fright Night at the end of the last movie. And I was I thought about that after we recorded. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. He was fired at the beginning of the movie. Why did he suddenly get his show back? No, you get perks when you kill an actual vampire, apparently, so. But do you? Because I'm pretty sure if you called the TV station and were like, hi, I know you just fired me, but I killed a real vampire. You should hire me back. They would be like, okay, so the man that we just hired is clearly unstable. Maybe we should report him to authorities. <laughs> Something's not right here at all. But no, instead they're like, oh, okay, we'll reward you by bringing you back to the TV show only to fire you again. And to fire you. But it has been like, what? Five years? Years have passed. Well, Charlie was, Four, three. what, like 16, 17 in the last movie, so he was headed off to college soon. I'm assuming he's a freshman. I know they mentioned the amount of years that passed, and it was the same amount of time as had passed between the two movies. Okay, so 85 to 88 is three years. Three, yeah, so uh, three years. So, you know, he they gave him a show back, but then the reason they fired him is still there. Yeah. I think that might have been why they threw that thing in the beginning. Like, oh, he never reads the script, so like, we can't have a guy that doesn't read the yeah. script. So. That does make sense. We cut back to Charlie and Alex. Charlie is explaining what happened last night. 
Alex is saying maybe subconsciously he just didn't want to go out with her. He says maybe he was afraid of the culture that was the symphony. She says that, sorry, she says that that explains his love of low-grade horror melodramas. And then they have this whole argument about pop culture. And I've definitely had this argument before with people about how my horror movies are cultural masterpieces. I love horror movies. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I'd call them cultural masterpieces, but that's the... Depends on the horror movie. But like some, they have some commentary on society that are really great. And some do, yeah. Just, I hate, I hate when people brush it off. They're just like, it's horror. It's shit. And I know we have our disagreements about Hereditary, for example, but I think that's like a powerhouse movie with amazing performances in it that if it wasn't under the category of horror, things like the Oscars would have looked at that and been like, oh, wow, Tony Collette fucking kills it in that role. She deserves an Oscar for this. No, see, my problem with that movie, it's not really, the movie's fine. It's just not mm-hmm. a horror movie. That, that is where my disagreement comes in. It's more like, oh no, she does an amazing job. The movie's just not a horror movie. It's like a, it's like a, uh, like a paranormal thriller more than anything else. It's a movie about pain and loss. It's not even, there's not, all you do, you're like, you're made to look at this woman's mm-hmm. pain for two hours. And there's, not scary. You're just looking at her deal with pain. Yeah, exactly. But. This is an amazing job. Amazing job. But I don't see, then, then they tack on 10 minutes of horror at the end, like to, to get, to get a horror fan and boom, then there we are. Wait. So that's me. That's just my. I don't like, you know, then again, I'm not a fan of the elevated horror um, thing that's going on now. So it'll it'll cycle out like everything else does. But anyways, um, so yeah, the whole entire argument about horror movies are culture, <laughs> and uh, but Charlie's really going ham on this argument and getting mad at Alex for never reading Dracula and all sorts of shit and just being. Oh, that book is, that book so, is boring. so boring. I, I try, I've tried to read like three times and I've never, never. I have managed Frankenstein because I had to in university, but another like. No, Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's it's way, way better. better. So much better because I read Frankenstein first and was like, okay, it's like a little dull, but there's like a lot of interesting commentary here. I appreciate it. And then I tried to <laughs> read uh, Dracula and just couldn't. It, it doesn't help that it's written like somebody's boring diary. Yeah, it, it was just not good. Later, she reads it and loves it, but I'm like, I don't know. How. I got to talk about how I got to talk about how she's reading. By the way, that's just yeah. I was very confused. That was how did you finish Dracula in like six hours? Maybe not even. Well, you saw how she was reading. She had her hand up on the page and scanned it down, and then did the other page, and then that means she read the pages. Oh, okay. So she's just like uh, absorbing it through her hand. <laughs> Apparently, yes, because they show her reading, quote unquote, <laughs> Dracula, and you see her doing the hand thing, page, page, flip, page, page, flip. And then when Charlie comes to her, she's like, don't wait, I'm reading. And then she finishes like the last three or four pages, whatever it is. So did she read it or did she skim it? That's the real question. I don't even think you can skim the the way she was trying to. So, yes, that's how she read the book and then loved it. I, think, I don't think she read anything. I think she just lied to her boyfriend. But she has information later from the book. True. Maybe she read the cliff notes and then lied to him about the rest. Just Oh, man. So we didn't see the cliff notes one like in her bag. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. Yeah, you would have to get the actual cliff notes instead of going on sparknotes.com and finding it. Yeah. Exactly. You get the the, the white, let I me mean, know that the white, the yellow and black little book. But anyways, okay, so they have a whole entire argument right now, and he puts his sunglasses back on and storms off. Then he comes right back to her, like, immediately after storming off for, like, four steps. 
He says he's sorry. <laughs> we then uh, cut to Peter Vincent. He finds Charlie and Alex and says that Charlie was right, that they are vampires and they have no reflection. Charlie says they are performance artists. That's just part of the act. Uh, <laughs> how is not having a reflection part of an act? <laughs> Please explain that. They are really committed to their part. They figured it out. They just... <laughs> It's like David Mirrored suits and, and they put them on and they just reflect the world around them. But not them, exactly. <laughs> so it looks like they're not there, but they are. We gotta ask Peter Vincent from the 2011 version. He'll know oh, okay. how to do it. <laughs> Alex says that Peter Vincent is wasting his breath and then Peter Vincent walks off saying that he's warned them. He then packs up his apartment and drives off. Now, my question is, Peter Vincent and Eyebrows and them, they live in the same building, yes. right? So he goes back to the scene of the crime, but packs up his apartment and then drives off. We then cut to Charlie staring down a woman's neck in like at the campus randomly and then he goes to get some pizza and the lady's just like really selling this pizza hard except it looks like just your typical slice of regular yeah. pizza yeah, it's, and it's also like there. on campus so it's probably not the best tasting pizza well either. and also she's been dealing with annoying teenagers all day like <laughs> buying pizza like why would she be like i have the best pizza <laughs> Oh, if she said it like that, I would buy pizza like every day. Okay, if she said it like that, I guess she doesn't say it like that. <laughs> She's like, I have the best pizza. I only use the best ingredients, this, that, whatever, and a whole head of garlic, and then he spits it out. Yeah, because garlic's bad for vampires. Yes, so I, they are alluding to the fact that Charlie is some sort of half-breed, I guess, at this point, from having his blood. Oh, no, they say it later. They say it later. He has to, so yes, something has to happen. They have to finish some kind of thing to make him a full vampire. Yeah, but... Oh, he has to drink it purple. That's what it was. Yeah. At this point, they haven't said it. I'm just saying, they're very heavily alluding to uh, it. Yeah, so he's, he's basically a vampire at this point. <laughs> gripe, another gripe I have with the movie, we never know anybody's plan for anything ever. Mm. It's almost like we're spying on these people's lives. Yeah. Than watching a, a narrative movie because we don't know what the bad guy's plan is. We don't know what the good guys are doing. We just, our things are just happening in front of us. I don't us. think anyone knows what they're doing. <laughs> Well, the bad guys have a plan, and they involve having having Alex's neck bitten, which never happens. So I don't know how that would have worked into the plan, because apparently it was just to make Charlie kind of some kind of weird vampire slave. Yeah, so that they can torture him forever, and then I guess they want him to kill Peter Vincent. Yeah, it's so it's kind of like part one, except they turned... Amy against Peter. I mean, not Peter, uh, against Charlie. So now they want to turn Charlie against Peter. And Alex is stuck in the middle with you. I don't know. Like, oh, God. Now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm getting good at this teen up songs thing. See, I'm getting, not I'm, singing that one because it would just be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Okay. Anyways, Charlie tries to see the shrink, but he's not in. And then the news says that Richie's body was found. It was murdered corpse and i forget where they found it but they did yeah by the train track charlie then is banging on peter vincent's door and he's not answering because obviously he's not there so he slides a note under the door that says peter i believe you charlie <laughs> will you marry me charlie, I just think. <laughs> he then sees the suit dude walking him in the front door and he goes to follow him into the basement boiler room so now that they're in freddie's boiler room but not as creepy they see that it is full of coffins. Alex is in her classes and she grabs her copy of Dracula from the library. And then Charlie opens the coffin and finds Roller Vamp asleep. He closes the coffin, breaks off a chair leg to stake them. Then Suit comes over for his latest bug treat while Charlie is hiding. And then he finds 
finds even more coffins in the elevator shaft, including eyebrows in the exact same coffin that Humperdinck had. He then raises the stake, but she opens her eyes and they glow red. And then Charlie's eyes glow red and he lowers the stake and leaves walking into traffic with his sunglasses on. So it's him getting glamoured, I'm going to guess. I assume. Then Alex is studying, and Wolfie reaches out to her with his wolf hand, but then she turns, and so he goes full human immediately as she talks to him. Wolfie makes a deal with her that if Charlie stands her up again tonight, he gets to take her out for coffee. I'm just like, what? what is the relationship you and Charlie have when he's like, I will invite this strange woman into my room and make out with her? And you're like, yeah, if... He doesn't show up for some reason tonight. I'll immediately go on a date with another person that I'm not even interested in. I don't think she was agreeing to his thing. I just think he was. It's like he wasn't taking no for an answer. Mm. And she, I think she was banking on Charlie being there this time. Don't know how she would bank on yeah, that. Considering. Because he's never there. Uh, but anyways, he then Volpe leaves and he meets up with Roller Vamp in the suit outside. And he's excited about his date. And then he sees Charlie going into the library and says that he has to take him out so that he can take her out. Get it? <laughs> The the wolf he just wants a girlfriend. <laughs> it's just a lonely little wolf. It's a lonely wolf in a, in a in a big cruel world looking for love. Suit says that the wolf he has to find another form of amusement, and then he suggests bowling because bowling is the number one amusing thing in this movie. AKA they didn't want to pay for another set. And this is a tiny, teeny, tiny, itty bitty bowling alley. I've never seen a bowling alley this small. Yeah, I haven't either. There's usually another side to the bowling alley. There's like, like it's like the kitty section was the entire bowling alley. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It had like six lanes, yeah. maybe. maybe. But anyways, they kill the bowling places like operator and the waitress and then yeah. the suit will... Which was the pizza girl, right? That was a girl with the pizza Oh, was girl. it? I think so. I guess because the bowling alley was on campus because Alex found Charlie bowling there earlier when she was walking through campus. What college campus has a bowling alley? I'm so confused. I had a movie theater. Didn't have a bowling alley though. Mm, I mean, we had classes in a literal movie theater because my university was in downtown Toronto. So we had like some lecture halls, but also we would use the movie theaters during the daytime as our lecture halls. But anyways, so the suit, Wolfie and Roller Vamp are now bowling and Roller Vamp is 10,000% cheating. They're just rolling down the alley and then like pushing the ball one inch into the thing. Just like, that's not how you play. But none of them are like doing any of the rules correctly. Like Wolfie really sucks. And then he just decides to like throw his body into the pins instead. And Roller, he's like rolling down the lanes anyway. It's... Only, like, the bug man is taking things serious. No, I swear, even he, like, walks up at one point and, like, grandma bowls. Ugh, these guys. They don't have respect for the sport, Jeff. (laughs) They don't, and I'm very disappointed with that. As a a varsity bowler, I'm telling you, this was a very disappointing lack of respect. I thought you would be as a varsity bowler. (laughs) I am. Jeff lettered in bowling. Anyways. (laughs) Yes, I lettered in bowling. Oh, man. Okay, so we cut to the library. Charlie is shocked. Alex is reading Dracula, and apparently she read all 418 pages, I looked it up, (laughs) of Dracula since that afternoon. Yeah, they were talking in the morning, and then by night, she was, by no, like late afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And so again, she apologizes for something that's not her fault. She apologizes to Charlie for their argument earlier, where Charlie just wigged out on her for no reason. Then we cut to Peter Vincent. He goes to a bar for a beer, and this is intercut with Charlie 
He says that he needed to tell Alex something, but forgot what it was. We then cut to the roller vamp feeding off of the bowling alley waitress. And then the wolf is pouring himself a pint of blood from the operator's neck. And then the suit pulls his head out of the ball return and he just like starts screaming and freaking out because of it. And then he gets in a fight with the wolf over it because I guess the wolf is the one that put his the head in the ball return. I just I don't understand why he's screaming and freaking out by the head when there are monsters that are killing all the time when he'd just be like, yep, average day in the neighborhood. <laughs> At least be upset, but not because it's, I don't know, like, oh, why are you, I'm trying to bowl here. I don't know, something. I don't know, that's what they Yep. Nothing makes sense in this movie. Um, Bright Knight then comes on the TV in the bowling alley and in Peter Vincent's bar. Charlie pulls out a mini satellite TV thing, which I had never seen before in my life. They existed and they were prohibitively expensive. Okay. I, w- I would assume it would be very expensive. But yeah, pulls out this little like satellite TV thing and says that he was going to play some music from the Philharmonic for Alex for their date to make up for missing the symphony. Because yeah, they were on TV and on whatever channel. So he's going to fix yeah. that channel. But then when he turns it on, Fright Night comes on. He notices that Peter Vincent isn't on it and it's eyebrows instead. So she starts doing this really weird number. She starts by splashing water on her face in the middle of the stage. And then she does this weird dance thing. I don't know. Someone at the bar recognizes Peter Vincent's face and asks him what he does. And Peter Vincent says that he's a vampire killer. The guy's like, no, really? Like... What the fuck do you do? He's like, I'm a vampire killer. And he is suddenly reinvigorated and drives off. Then all the dudes are watching Eyebrows at the TV station and they're way too into it. And then she has a vampire bite on her own neck and then it starts bleeding. She falls to the foggy floor and pulling her blanket-like cape over her her body, she then disappears and the fog parts to show that she's gone and then it returns and she returns as well. She then goes to splash her face again where the water was, but now it's blood, not water, and she gets all vampires and teeth as she puts the blood all over her face. Charlie is triggered. And turns off the show. Alex protests, saying that it was interesting. Charlie says he feels faint, and Alex runs to get him water. And <laughs> she decides to get him water in the cup of roses that he had. <laughs> like, she just, like, takes the roses out of the cup. I, yeah, I was like, what? what? What are you doing? All right, fine. I, I don't understand, but that's what she decides to do. And the wolfie is in the library. Eyebrows finishes her performance to applause, and Peter Vincent pulls up at the TV studio. Alex is getting water from the drinking fountain when Wolfie approaches her and grabs her arm. She says he's, that he's hurting her and he says it makes her face look real pretty. She slaps him and he laughs. Tough chick. <laughs> she calls for Charlie. He comes running. Wolfie says he's getting to know his girlfriend a little better. Come on, dude. It's party time. I don't get it. Anyways, he then has wolf eyes and teeth. He stalks them through the stacks in the library with a wolf face but not full out werewolf yet he's still wearing clothes and he moves unbelievably fast where he'll be behind them and then they move away from him and then he's in front of them suddenly which i don't understand that's not really a wolf thing is he turning into a bat in between being a wolf so he can do this they're playing fast and loose with i can't even say they're playing fast and loose with the rules they never establish any rules, so they don't have to follow anything. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, Alex shoves roses in his face and into his mouth, and he catches on fire eventually. 
So fun fact that you might not know if you didn't read Dracula is that according to legend, there are five aromatic plants that could repel vampires. Garlic, wolfsbane, hemlock, wormwood, or wild roses. Wormwood? So they can't have like absinthe? I guess not. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> Just... Um, he jumps through the window and Charlie says that was not, oh, he's like, that was not group hypnosis. So he's finally realizing that this stuff is real, I guess. But wasn't he arguing that? It was, because what was the note all about when I believe Yeah, he, I, it's, exactly. It's, Didn't he already believe? I don't know. So inconsistent. Good thing Charlie was never a good character in either of these movies. So he's just consistently horrible? Yeah. He's consistently horrible from like moment one through the end of this movie. Just terrible. Makes no sense. But anyways, we cut to eyebrows and she's getting ready for the next segment of Fright Night. Alex admits that if she had never read Dracula, she wouldn't have known that the roses would work. And eyebrows, meanwhile, is quoting Peter Vincent, the forces of darkness are everywhere. And then Peter Vincent is suddenly in the studio and he charges at eyebrows with a stake in his hand. She screams. He is then restrained and escorted off the set by several men. Charlie tells Alex, come on, and drops the TV as the cops arrive at the library. And I was just like, why are the cops at the library? I don't know why Charlie gets arrested. Yeah, it didn't, like nothing is making sense. I don't know what he did. He didn't do it. Like, Peter Vincent, fine. You attacked a woman t- on TV, so I get it. But um, Charlie had zero to do yeah, with Yeah, did the werewolf call the police on him? And was like, this man attacked me with roses. <laughs> I want him thrown, thrown in jail and throw away the like, key. I, I just don't understand what is happening here. But Peter Vincent is now at the police station and he's ranting about vampires. And the police think that this is like very sad and that he's clearly unhinged. They say they should probably put him in the state hospital. We then cut to Charlie and he's in jail. He's released by eyebrows. Yeah, she posts his bail. And so then Alex is bailed out because she's also put in jail for some reason. And she gets bailed out by the shrink. Which is apparently her professor, I think. In That's what gets revealed here is that it's her professor. And so she tries to post bond for Charlie, but it's too late. Alex says that they need to find Peter Vincent right away. And the officer says, late again, miss. Because we cut to Peter Vincent being committed to a state hospital. And one of the patients that's in the hospital recognizes him and says that he believes him that vampires are real. We then cut to Alex and the shrink. They're discussing how difficult and compromising getting Peter Vincent released will be. Uh, As they drive to the hospital, they stop at a train crossing and the shrink is telling her that she needs to breathe through her anxiety. And she says she doesn't think there's a train coming and then sees that he has fangs that appear and so she runs out of the car only for him to constantly reappear wherever she goes just like every other monster has so far in this movie so when did he become a vampire was he always a vampire i don't i think that's why he was missing that one day is that that's when he was being turned or killed or whatever i assume okay all right, yeah, because, yeah, oh, that's right, because, like, Charlie goes to, like, to see him that one day, and, oh, he's, he's yep. off. But we never see him being turned. That's just me jumping to conclusions, because... Yeah, may- maybe the movie telling us when this is going to happen. Yeah, no- nothing in this movie is ever explained, so I'm just going to make up... <laughs> Why start now? I'm going to read in between the lines and fill them in myself. Okay, so she hits him over the head with a rock and then stakes him with wood from the railroad track, but she didn't stake him hard enough. 
So he's still alive. And I was like, wait, but in the last movie, the pencil alone injured Humperdinck in the hand. Yeah, but in this movie, a stake almost in his heart. It's just not oh, enough oh. to do anything. Apparently. Yeah. So then he tries to drive the stake all the way in and dismisses her. Um, yeah, like he finishes himself off. So she doesn't even kill this vampire. <sighs> He's trying to bite her or, or whatever. And then she kind of stakes him. And he's like, oh, you have to finish the job. Don't worry, I'll do it. And then he kills himself. And she yeah. leaves with his credentials. And then as soon as he's dead, the train crossing lifts and like it's non-existent like so how with his superpowers he controls the train crossing too and it stops when he dies sure yes um because oh what we didn't know is that's not only train crossing it's also a vampire crossing ah got you got you yeah nothing makes sense in this movie (laughs) (laughs) it's like zeros everything is horrible everything is terrible it's the opposite of the lego movie We cut to the apartment where the vampires are and Peter Vincent. Oh, sorry. The vampire where the vampires and Peter Vincent both live. Charlie follows eyebrows inside. We cut to Alex at the state hospital. She's asking to see Peter Vincent claiming to be his doctor. The attending nurse does not believe she is a doctor, so she rants on about how long her day is to convince her, and then bluff. Yeah, and, and then she bluffs about having ID, but doesn't show her any of the ID. Then they let her in, and she sits down with Peter Vincent and tells them to start arranging for the transfer papers. Meanwhile, we have that patient that recognized Peter Vincent and believes him. He's mopping and talking to himself, and then he finds the doctor's ID with the shrink's picture on it, and the nurse takes it and begins to call someone, but then the patient knocks her out with a bucket. To free Peter Vincent. Free Peter Vincent. (laughs) Then he pulls the fire alarm and then attacks the other attendant as soon as he comes out the door, and then tells Peter Vincent to go kill his vampires now. That's such a considerate um, inmate, patient. patient. He's he's a true fan. He is, because I'm not that much of a fan, so yeah, he's a true fan though. (laughs) We cut to Alex driving Peter Vincent. She asks him if he thinks Charlie is okay. He says he doesn't know. It is war. We must be prepared. They pull up to a church and Peter Vincent says they need holy water and communion wafers. Alex asks if uh, she'll go to hell for this. (laughs) And then Peter Vincent takes the altar cloth and his hands and he promises that he's just borrowing it. We cut to eyebrows and roller vamp and they're bathing Charlie. Eyebrows is saying that soon you'll taste blood for the first time. Soon you'll be one of us. Do you know why I've done this to you, Charlie Brewster? Because soon you'll be immortal. You'll live forever and it's forever that I'll torture you. That, that's our explanation. But she also doesn't tell that, Charlie about her brother. <laughs> that's right. She never does. She told somebody. She told Peter yeah. Vincent about that. You would think you would tell Charlie since he's your main mark why you're doing this to him. But no, I guess she has forever to do it. How many chances did she have to make him a vampire and just didn't do exactly. it? Exactly. That's what really pisses me off in this movie. Just get it over with. If it only took you a few hours to turn the shrink why don't you just do that to charlie why are you taking so long to do it you bit him day one and then it's been like what three four days since then and they're trying to bite the girlfriend trying not bite the girlfriend they bite the doctor they convert it it makes no sense and like she doesn't actually bite him she just keeps on going after his neck wound that's already there I don't get it. I don't get it. It does not make sense. Alex and Peter Vincent arrive at the apartment complex and Peter Vincent collects props from his films to use as weapons. Alex looks less than impressed about him and all of his nostalgia as he, for each one, he's like, ooh, I used this in this movie for this reason. Oh, I loved that movie. I was great in it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. 
He uses a pencil sharpener to make steaks, which I was like, that's very inventive and much better than when Charlie was trying to whittle the steaks before with his knife. They go to leave and Alex reminds him to grab the rope. And he's like, what are we doing? I can't go dangling from a rope like Tarzan. And she's like, but if we don't try, dot, dot, dot implication of Charlie will die. We cut to them scaling the side of the building and they're like walking along the very thin ledge along the side of the building. Peter Vincent almost falls, but then they look in the window and they see Charlie laying on a couch in his PJs. Eyebrows leaves the room and then Peter Vincent and Alex get in through the window. They hear footsteps approaching, so they hide behind the curtains. Then Richie comes in to greet Charlie. Charlie says, but you're dead. And Rich is like, yep, got off the slab at the morgue and just uh, just wanted to be here for tonight. It's great. You're going to be joining us, Charlie. And then he's like, I know. And he says her name, but I forgot her name. So <laughs> I know Eyebrows is pissed at. Regina. Yes, there we go. Uh, it's pissed. At- Wait, you remembered a name? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm full of surprises. I'm just full. <laughs> I was going to just carry on, and then I was like, wait a second, what just happened there? Oh, here, what? Yes, I'm somehow full, full of surprises here. You never know when when I might, when the brain <laughs> kicks a name back at me. Holy <laughs> moly. Okay, well, Regina is pissed at you, but she has a great sense of humor. I'm sure it will blow over. Charlie asks why Richie didn't have any puncture wounds on his neck at the party, and he explains that it was makeup, and then he leaves the room to go get tea. Such a nice guy. Not like uh, evil in the first one he just turns evil well not even he just continues being evil the entire time this guy's like you know i'll get you some tea get you some snacks you know don't worry it's gonna be great you're gonna love this not gonna be so bad alex and peter vincent rush over to charlie and then richie comes back in the room with tea peter vincent sprays him with holy water and it disfigures his face then bores a hole through his neck and he dies which was some interesting things (laughs) it was like decent effects but i was just like what i've never seen this happen before don't understand the vampire lore in this franchise but anyways i don't think they understand the vampire lore in this franchise (laughs) i don't think so either Alex locks the door, and as Peter Vincent brings Charlie to the window, Charlie begins to turn into a vampire and fights with him. Alex then shrouds Charlie in the altar cloth, and he screams, letting go of Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent goes out the window, and then Wolfie closes the window on Alex and Charlie. Peter Vincent falls and is hanging onto the ledge with his hands, and Wolfie climbs down to him. Charlie is banging on the window, and Alex goes to barricade the door as someone is trying to get in. Wolfie starts scratching at Peter Vincent's fingers, trying to make him loosen his grip. And then Charlie shoots him with a crossbow through the window. And <laughs> you clearly see the arrow hit him, but then like fall off him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he was impaled. Apparently. <laughs> uh, and the wolf falls off the building into the fountain where he dies. Charlie and Alex then help Peter Vincent off of the ledge. And then someone is breaking down the door and the gang decides to run through this maze of an apartment. I was so confused by this apartment. There are so many different rooms, but also all the rooms are so dingy. And I wanted to know why is this very vast, expensive apartment so gross? So run down. It looked like it was in bed in for like 10 years or something. It's just... It's boarded up, dusty, cobwebs. Everything's gray and gross. I just, it didn't make sense to me. They just moved in. Who rents an apartment that dirty? Or was it just to be close to Peter Vincent that they're in? I don't don't understand. I love it. We're spending this whole thing saying, I don't even know. Like, (laughs) this is, like, what is it? Why is this happening? I, I don't know. Nothing makes sense. 
So yeah, running through this maze of an apartment, they enter a room with neon light strips around the baseboards. Screw it, why not? Just at this point, we're just gonna yeah. go with it. And uh, like the one room that's been updated with neon lights. Maybe we just do one room at a time, and not for nothing. We didn't get into this earlier when Charlie is under the elevator in like the sub basement, which is like enormous. They like knocked walls down, made a cathedral down there from the looks of it. I, I don't know. Yeah, this place is just insane. But anyways. Uh, the roller vamp comes in, uh, and is lighting a candle. Charlie shoots the crossbow at them, but they disappear before it could hit them, and it hits the candle instead. The suit dude comes in, uh, a sand suit for once, and Peter Vincent shoots him twice. He catches both stakes in his hands. Then Alex turns, and the roller vamp is behind her and decides to hold her hostage. Eyebrows makes a dramatic entrance and says, welcome to Fright Night, and then lights all the candles in the room with a wave of her hand. She asks if Charlie is thirsty and tells him to come and kiss her. Alex protests and even gets free for a moment, but then Suit knocks out Peter Vincent and puts Alex's hair up in like a bun with a steak. Yeah. Because he's suddenly a hairdresser. (laughs) Might as well be. Yeah. Charlie drops the crossbow and the altar cloth and he approaches Alex to feed with encouragement from eyebrows. Alex tells him that she loves him because now it doesn't matter. She doesn't need to be a psychiatrist. She needs to stay alive. So she loves him. He gets vampy, but he fights it. Stabbing suit and with roller vamps nails is how he kills her. I think so. I mean, kills him. Yes. Yeah, like he uses his nails against him and that does yeah, the trick. Yeah, stabs roller vamps nails into the suit. Uh, his gut opens up and pours out with maggots and then he dies. All the candles then are blown out and the door is shut. No vamps to be seen until Roller Vamp skates towards them out of nowhere, as they do. Charlie and Alex catch Roller Vamp in the altar cloth because even though they're like clearly holding it open for them, they are just like, no, I shall continue rolling towards it. I will not try to stop or roll a different direction. Is the brakes on the skates aren't working, so... They then melt once they're held in the altar cloth. Because it's so religious, it melts Yeah, in. apparently. That's a new one for me. None of my vampire things in life, I haven't seen this Yeah, before. everyone just keeps on melting. Richie melted from the holy water, and now we're melting from the altar cloth. I, I don't know. The holy water makes sense, but not the altar cloth. Usually they burn from the holy water. Burn, melt, melt, burn. They, 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 they didn't realize know. that they all just... vampires were made of wax. <laughs> they, they are. Very high grade. Oh work. no, I don't think it counts. I'm like, does House of Wax count? Can we watch the really horrible remake with Paris Hilton? <laughs> Probably <Damn> not, it. <laughs> no. Ooh. Unless you like House of Wax... There's, two, there's technically two of them. Maybe the one, the original, yeah. and then that one, and that's it. Unless, and I don't think waxwork is connected to the universe. Yeah, I, I can't think of somewhere where that makes sense again. Maybe like creepy hillbilly murders. <laughs> Maybe, but that 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 oh, House of Wax. That's a it's bad so one. bad, but so good. <laughs> and I like the when Dark Castle came back doing all the, the William mm-hmm. Castle remakes. That was the one. Ugh, that one. That one broke my back on that one. I remember. So my parents surprised us with, "Oh, it's the last week of your summer vacation. We're going to Trinidad this week because it's your aunt's birthday. 
on a whim. And I'm like, why? This is when all my friends come back from camp. I am so mad. <laughs> I had plans for this week. And they're like, nope, we're going to Trinidad. So the only movie that I had was House of Wax on that trip. Oh, boy. That's... <laughs> yeah. So I watched that a lot. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I had big crushes on Jared Padalecki and Chad Michael Murray. So it was okay. <laughs> So is Jared Padalecki, is he related to like the girl Padalecki? There's a girl Padalecki? In there? No, Panabaker. <laughs> I'm like, isn't it just Jared? Good old Supernatural. But they're all WB people. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's Panabaker is the girl because she was in the Friday the 13th remake. Hmm. I think so is he yes, actually. he's in the Friday the 13th remake. <laughs> they're both in it. It all comes full circle. <laughs> that makes so much more sense than this movie. <laughs> Everything makes a lot more sense in this movie. <laughs> Okay, so eyebrows shrieks and Peter Vincent opens up a curtain, letting in sunlight. She turns into a bat and flies through a door. Wow, it's not like this is how the other movie ended, but anyways. The gang tries to run and see that the elevator doors close. They force them open to see the elevator cart going down. Charlie jams the gears and they hear like this weird, creepy scuttling noise uh, once the gears are jammed. We get a quick cut to the creature's hand ripping the floor apart in the elevator. And then Peter Vincent says she's running from dawn. And Alex says it sounds like she's ripping the elevator apart. And it takes her three hours to get through the floor of the elevator when it looks like she's already got through it on the first (laughs) one. Exactly. Uh, Charlie says she's ripping apart the floor. She wants to go down to to her coffin. Someone has to stop her and get down there. Peter Vincent says to wait until the sun is higher. Charlie says it will be too late. The sun will kill him. Charlie and Alex head to the basement to face off with her. And Peter Vincent stays upstairs to deal with that end. Question mark. What is there to deal with at that end? I mean, we find out later. Yes, it works out. But there was nothing because the vampire is in the elevator trying to get to the bottom. And Peter was just maybe he's just scared. Like, you know what? I'll I'll keep the home fires burning up here. Um, You guys. That would be in character for him, at least. (laughs) Peter Vincent tries to scale the elevator shaft while Charlie and Alex run down the stairs and into the basement. They fill her dirt-filled coffin, which, why is her coffin filled with dirt already? Don't know how she would be able to get in there with all the Mm -hmm. dirt, fine. At this point, everybody's like, sure, fine. So they fill the dirt-filled coffin with communion wafers, so they, like, stick the wafers into the dirt. In the shape of a cross. (laughs) Yeah, it was in the shape of a cross, wasn't it? Um, I was like, doesn't this contradict the belief like rule from the first movie because it once they the object is not being held by them it's not an object of belief because they aren't putting their belief into it well the communion wafers might be different because that goes to transubstantiation whatever it is that thing that happens it turns into the blood and body of christ thing even though the, the ones that they do that to they don't even leave laying around as far as i know i don't know but i have no idea but i was just like i've never seen communion wafers used against a vampire okay at this point, I've never seen roses, even though I was in the book. I haven't seen the the altar cloth thing used. Uh, yeah. Just, they are just making it up as they go along. Eyebrows finally breaks through the floor and then hears that Peter Vincent is on top of the elevator and goes to open it. And then he puts down his cross so that he do so. As he opens the door, he comes face to face with this fat human hybrid. She breaks through the top of the elevator so much easier than she did the floor, even though that's pure metal. Oh, no, it was hilarious, actually, because the um, the latch, the hatch, I should say, that um, Peter Vincent almost like, it's like steel. You see, he can barely open it because it's so heavy. When he closes it because he sees the, the demon face, she punches next to it, and it's like yeah. also wood. It's 
hilarious. No, I noticed that too. You just see like the wood break, but it's supposed to be the wood splintering all over the place. I'm like, so that's okay. So why is this metal and this wood right? Okay, sure. Trying to find logic in this movie is it's a fool's errand. Fool's errand. <laughs> We're fools. We are fools. Me and you, fools. <laughs> Oh, fly, you fools. Um, <laughs> she breaks through the top of the elevator and Peter Vincent commands her back with the cross and she goes into more of a bat-like form and flies into the basement instead. So it, if she was trying to get to the basement anyway, mm-hmm. why did she even waste time trying to go to the top to where Peter Vincent was when she was trying to escape to I, her coffin? She wants a bigger body count? I, I can't tell you. <laughs> She's, is it to give it time for um, Alex and Charlie to make it to the basement? Yeah, either that or she's trying to compete with everyone else that's a slasher movie in the 80s and is like, look, I don't have a body count. I have Richie. <laughs> I need to kill some more people. Didn't, didn't she kill the girl um, during the TV show also? Killed a girl during the TV show. Oh, when she when she took over Fright Night? I missed... Like, she was dancing. Wasn't there like another girl there or was I just her it was the whole just time? just her the whole time. I missed it if there was another girl. I thought girl. it was her and then it, it was her and then another girl was there and then the blood was her. I don't know. That's what I thought. That would make sense where the blood came from. I was very confused where the blood came from. I was, I was half paying attention because I was just like, I'm bored. Okay, what's going on? What's happening here? None of this is making sense. I can't logic any of this. But anyways. Okay, so she bats down into the basement, finds that her coffin is full of the communion wafers, so she flies around in a panic. Alex then holds up a cross and eyebrows as a bat knocks her down. Then Charlie starts reaching for the cross and eyebrows appears in human form. Uh, she doesn't announce human form as she does, does it, though, so I was very disappointed. I'm sure you were, yes. <laughs> so she's saying, you, you didn't think I'd let you go that easy, did you? She tells him off for running, oh, ruining, not running, <laughs> Mr. Nye in there, anyways, <laughs> ruining her coffin. That was hundreds of years old, but says that she has plenty of other places to rest and access to miles of tunnels. They don't use all movie. If they have miles of tunnels, couldn't they have been using it all movie to get to where they were? I thought so. Roller Ramp would have had a real fun time, but I don't know. Peter Vincent then retreats inside the elevator shaft and goes to grab some of the broken mirror. And he reflects the sunlight from the window down the elevator shaft. And this makes her burst into flames. She falls into her coffin with a massive explosion that does nothing to Alex and Charlie, who are right there. It like blows up the elevator shaft, but they're perfectly fine. They don't even have such left on them. They were protected by the power of Christ. Power of Christ saves them. It's one of the seldom known roles of, of the, these vampire movies. Vampire explosions can't get to you if you have faith. The faith, the faith, faith. got to be George Michael. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never saw him. See, it wasn't, it wasn't a vampire that got George Michael. That's true. That's very true. Um, okay, so we cut to Charlie recounting what just happened that we watched, <laughs> mirroring <laughs> the start of the film when he was talking to his psychiatrist, but now he's talking to Alex. And he, she asks, who can she tell this story to? And he says, she can tell him because he'll believe her. And there's no, ra- she needs no rational explanation to tell him about it. Alex asked if there are more of them out there. Uh, and he says, as he says, forewarned is forearmed, as Peter says. They both are wearing cross necklaces now. He's saying that they should just go on with their lives and get an apartment, get married, make some bibbies, get on a farm, maybe have a mule, play the banjo. Alex says it takes practice, you know. And he says, what? Playing the banjo? And she says, making bibbies. And that's the movie. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, we have credits now. Credits. Uh, what'd you think of this one, Jeff? Boy. 
The thing is, didn't like it. Really? Shocking. Just, just get that out the way. Um, but I didn't vehemently not yes. like it, if that makes any sense. It was just, it's, it was more of a letdown than anything else. I had so much fun watching Fright Night 1. And Fright Night 1 had its problems, but it was so fun it didn't matter. This... They tried to make it fun, but they failed at every turn. And all the stuff they glossed over in the first one, they tried to gloss over again and failed. Yeah, it just, they need to pin down their lore. They also need to have some explanations for us. Like, let us in on what you're thinking here. Cause on anything that anybody, anybody in the movie is he a vampire thinking, or is he a werewolf? Was the doctor in on early or not? And then he gets turned. It would have been cool if the doctor said he was a familiar or something and he gets turned. You know, he's messed with him because. Regina was coming yeah. to town and something. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Exactly. Let's talk about the sister. Show him more. Show Regina mourning uh, Humperdinck in the beginning. That could be something. Oh, wow. It's a sister. She's, she's out to get him. Don't bite Charlie in the first 10 minutes or 15, whatever it is, and then spend the next hour. Yes. Toying with him when your plan was to convert Stop him. Stop licking his wounds under his bandaid. <laughs> like, it's just. And what was the point of going to bite the girlfriend of Alex? Why? To, to what I don't end? know. Just so they could have her included more? I don't know. So they could have a plot line for the wolf? I. None of it made sense. They needed a lot more explanations. They needed to hone in on what they wanted from this movie. But I don't think they knew what they wanted from this movie. They had no idea what they wanted. Also, cut and that stupid dance number in Fright Night. Yes. What the hell was that about? <laughs> Where'd that come from? I don't just, so many like, we already had a stupid dance number at the party. We didn't need a second one. Like, the first one, I'll forgive because it was to show that she's a performance artist and not a vampire, even though she's a vampire. Mm -hmm. The second one, gratuitous? Exactly. Pointless? But apparently they did that because otherwise the actress thought that it would be to Elvira. It wouldn't have been. I just, it was not great. <laughs> I, I, no, I was not was a fan. There, as we said, there's a lot of things they could do to make this better. I think that like the plot line of Peter Vincent and Charlie coming back together again is nice. But it was like when I believe you don't, when you do, when you when you believe I don't, it's yeah. The back and forth is frustrating. I really like the plot point that you brought up that they could have gone for was that the shrink was in on it the entire time and was their familiar or something. So he was there to convince Charlie that vampires didn't exist so that they could control him more. That that could be interesting if that was explored more, but. Or if you wanted to somebody to not believe what happened in the first movie, that's not a bad idea. But make that be Peter Vincent because he barely wanted to believe it to begin with. He's the one that had like hysterical, a crazy, a crazy break in reality or something, you know. And then he's going to the shrink, and the shrink's trying to convince him because the shrink's so familiar or all the like. That were you could have done something. They didn't, but you could have. Yeah, because when when I see the shrink later on, I'm like, he's a vampire. I'm like, where's this coming from? Like. <laughs> Is this? Yeah, it doesn't really work to be a college professor and work at school during the day if <laughs> you are a vampire. So clearly he was turned at some point during this movie. And it was like a gotcha for the audience, but this character's barely in the movie for it to even be yeah. a gotcha. It just, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah uh, no, zero sense. So... That's what we would have done to hopefully. And I don't even think we would have made a great movie. We just would have made a better movie than we, what we got with those. Because this would have needed major overhauling. Major. Mm -hmm. To get something. 
But what do you, what is your rating of this? Like, what do you think? One to ten. Where are you are you? Surprisingly high. I might be second guessing my rating. I wrote down a five. Well, I'm not that uh, far off. What was yours? I was like a four. I was like a like, four. I was debating between four and five, and I was like, you know what? It wasn't terrible. I really loved Peter Vincent always coming back. Uh, you know what? When we talked about it, and there's just so much more wrong with it than <laughs> I remembered when I wrote down my score. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop to a four as well. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. That's just that's the problem. It makes no sense over there. So we're at four, and the first one we, we scored the first one yeah. rather high. It was a seven and eight the first time. That means that this series is sitting at a fifty-seven point five percent right now. Yeah, yeah. And the spoiled one. I've already watched the next one. Oh man, I had seen it already, but then I recently watched it again. Next week, guys, you get to hear my thoughts on that one or our thoughts on that. One. I'm really excited for it. I started to watch it, but uh, I've been having a real rough time the past few uh, days or a week or whatever it's been. My mother was diagnosed with uh, cancer this week and it's been a rough road. So I'm I'm sorry that we missed an episode. I'm trying my best to keep on top of things, but family kind of comes first, friends. So, But we'll be trying to keep giving you episodes every single week. Yeah, we, if anything, we'll try to plan things out. Um, figure things out. You know, we, we have other things coming down the line too that we were planning out before all this. You know, just fun surprise that I think you guys are really going to like. So once all that stuff comes out, you guys, I think, will be. I think you guys will be happy with that stuff. Yeah, there's definitely cool things coming and in the works. Yes, and as you guys notice, our logo has changed. I'm, I am totally in love with our new logo, mm-hmm. our new art. Thank you, Jenny's yes. sister. Thank you, Kristen. She is the absolute best. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. But we have some more collaborations with her to come and some more exciting things. Yes, yes, yes. So we also um, for next week. It is going to be Fright Night 2011, yeah. the remake of last week's With movie. So many great actors. I the only actors that I knew were in it were uh, Anton Yelnich, Yelchin. I forgot what his last name. I could only remember it was a Y, <laughs> anyways. Um, and uh, Colin Farrell. I knew they were in it. And then I start watching it. I'm like, wait a second, that's David Tennant. Wait a second, that's Tony Collette. What is happening in this movie? I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, Imogen Poots in it. She wasn't really major at the time, but she has since been in a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff, a bunch of genre stuff too. Bunch of, and um, and we got McLovin in yes, the movie. Yes, we do. I'm excited for that next week. Hope that you join us, and you can always connect with us in the meantime on our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Series of Horrors Podcast. And also, if you want to send us uh, little love notes or whatever uh, via email, you know something a little bit more private, let's say, you can always send us emails at Series of Horrors at Gmail and also, if you like what you listen to and you think this is great and you, I would say, spread the word, just tell a friend to tell a friend, tell a friend just to give us a shot, give us a listen, whether they like horror or whether they don't. We are very accessible to people that want to know what goes on in horror movies, but maybe they haven't seen the movie and want to know what the big fuss is about. Hey, we're here for you. We're going to let you know what's going on in a nice, fun way is what I like to say. That's how we do it. Also, if you can... Rate, review, thumb up, star, whatever you have to, whatever these different pod catcher thing, whatever one you happen to use. Uh, if it's a rating, if it's a thumb up, if it's something, just leave us a review. Also, it's going to get the word out on us too. If you guys do, that'd be amazing. Love you guys. Yeah. We do love you, and we hope that we'll be out with a new episode next week, and we'll see you then. Bye.